What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. I'm your host, James Jackson, joined by my two guys, as always, a residential statistician, Stat Matt Robinson, all the way from his dorm room in Pittsburgh, our guy Kyle Sarah. Kyle, I'll spare you the, the, the room update this time. I know it's 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 been it's been a wild week for everyone. Had the election last week. I know weather's not getting too good, so I'm I'm just, I'm not even gonna put you on blast this time. I'm just gonna I bid you a, a, a hello and how you're doing. See, I, I can be nice and cool. Well, I'm doing well, and uh, I will do a little room update because it's better than last week, and you didn't want to throw that in there. (laughs) But the bed, the bed's been so. There you go. Small steps. We talk about small steps. Stat Matt, we're two weeks away, removed from 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 dental oral surgery, and and, man, you're just recovering so beautifully. How you doing over there? Doing good. Uh, Just look like I'm gonna start a job tomorrow, so I'm pumped to get that money rolling in. Yeah, man. Come on, we all need that money rolling in. 2020 been tough to all of us. It started out tough a little bit. For the Miami Dolphins, that's the team we're going to start and talk about on this episode. So here comes the facts straight at you. Like I said, it wasn't the greatest start. Ryan Fitzpatrick had the Dolphins going 3-3 three and three as a starter. And then coming in and filling in for relief, Tua Tagovailoa has been 2-0 and oh as a starter for the Dolphins. And this isn't supposed to be hot takey. This is a, a real question that a lot of people are asking. Did the Dolphins make the right move going in and starting Tua now over Ryan Fitzpatrick? Like, did, like does Tua give them the better chance to succeed? I think as a franchise, you have to start to it. I really think it is 50-50. I saw nothing wrong with Ryan Fitzpatrick, mm-hmm. but I, we know what he's going to give you. And if they really do want to contend or if they just want to build for the future, either side of the barrel to I think is the better choice here because you don't know certainly what two is going to get you. And you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick's maybe a first round exit at best. Right. Yeah. yeah they should have handled it better because Fitzpatrick was kind of like blindsided was, by the rolling. fact. Yeah. yeah. He had the rolling. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, especially after he, like, stuck through them the entire season last year, and then at the end of the season, he started to play, like, really well and knocked the Patriots out of a bye and actually, like, really affected the Super Bowl race. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel for him, but I think you got to go with Tua just because he's the future. Um, and Fitzpatrick, there's no long-term benefit to starting Ryan Fitzpatrick. You get Tua in contention to potentially... We'll talk about it. They're stealing later, but division race with the Bills, mm-hmm. uh, all that kind of stuff. It's great to get like his feet wet right from the jump. And Brian Flores has really impressed me in general as a coach. And the one thing I didn't like was him blindsiding Fitzpatrick, but I think two is the right choice. I mean, when when it's a business, right? Like if, if, if it's this time, it's this time. And I, yes, it could have been blindsiding him a little bit. But when you put Tua in at the end of that blowout victory and get him a couple snaps where he threw one pass, took two or three snaps. But if you're Ryan Fitzpatrick, that's the writing on the wall right there. Like You can't be too surprised if they come to you at the end of that game and say, okay, we're ready to put Tua in. They just needed to see that he was healthy. That was that was the biggest knock to why he didn't start the season coming in is because he saw that lingering hip injury, that, that nasty injury he sustained at Alabama. It was just, is Tua healthy enough to do it? And when they saw he was healthy enough to do it, I mean, they, they they made, like, they, there was no hesitation just pulling the hook on Ryan Fitzpatrick. But, Matt, you talked about him playing well at the end of the season last year. And in 2019, Fitzpatrick ended with an 85.5 QB rating and completing 62% of his passes. Like, this is a journeyman who's been on team after team, got chance after chance, and proved himself to a lot. Like, you, when we say you know what you're going to get, that's pretty much what you're going to get from Ryan Fitzpatrick. And they, it may not always cultivate in a bunch of wins, a division lead, but at least you know what you're going to get with them. There's still so a whole lot of unknown with Tua. That's why I'm scratching my head a little bit. That's why I'm scratching my head a little bit. He, in 
In the seasons that Ryan Fitzpatrick has made more than three starts, he's only had a winning record once, and that was with the Jets when he went 10 and 6. He he he's someone that you're not gonna he's gonna win you some games and he's gonna lose you a lot of games, and there's very little in between. And I just I I get why like Fitzpatrick could be good for now because he has played with up-and-coming teams for a lot of his career. Mm-hmm. But I just... It's its a perfect development opportunity for Tua, and I think the Dolphins are right to take advantage of it. I think when they pulled Fitzpatrick, though, they were on a two-game win streak, right? Mm-hmm. And he was playing well, and he had those guys pumped up. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he might have had like two or three rushing touchdowns. I don't know the exact number, but he, he was, was getting doing, in. He, he was, was taking hits magic, and celebrating though. with everybody. Like, yeah. he looked good. I, I, I hope – I'm not mad that they started Tua. I do think it was the right move. I think it was maybe a little too early. And as Matt said, I don't like how they did it. But my hope is that Flores didn't see what Anthony Lynn did in getting Herbert in there and thought he was a little pressured to start Tua at this point. Because I did like what Fitzpatrick was doing. And I think he could be in the same spot right now, 5-3, and three, that Tua was. From a person who had Ryan Fitzpatrick on his team, from a person who, who experienced Fitzmagic when he came in, when they when we benched Jameis or Jameis came or got suspended, um, and, and Ryan Fitzpatrick took over for that you know three, four-game span and then started uh, the 2018 season as, as the Buccaneers starting quarterback, let me tell you how fun and exciting it is to have Ryan Fitzpatrick as quarterback. You're just going to see things and you're going to win games in ways you never think you'd win them. He's going to do things that you didn't think a 40-year-old could do or would do or should do. Deshaun Jackson's clothing in a post-game press conference. Dude, stuff like that. I mean, Kyle, you talked about the, the rushing touchdowns. I mean, I, I remember what against the Jets, him diving headfirst into the end zone. And you're right, celebrating with every single person on the team. Like, Ryan Fitzpatrick brings something to a team that not many people can bring to a down-and-out team. Like, Miami came into the season with a whole lot of different expectations. But for the most part, Miami's been a down-and-out team for all of our recent memory for yeah. at, the, at the very least. Yeah. And he just provides so much excitement. And so when you ask someone like Tua to take over that, that's a big ask. That's an intangible that not a lot of people can just pick up and have. Like, Tua is a very, very, like, you know, charismatic dude. He seems to say all the right things, very cordial, very polite, you know. Is very is very PC won't go out of bounds. But you're talking about just straight fire, just just straight energy that Ryan Fitzpatrick can bring, which is exciting for the Miami Dolphins. Oh, and by the way, he had you at 500. He was he had you on a two game winning streak. He was doing some impressive things. Like there, there's been a lot of times that Ryan Fitzpatrick has been benched in his career. There's been yeah. there's been a lot. He's played this exact role for the majority of his career, and he said this one hurt more than any of them. Like yeah. this, this one was at the top of the list of you. You're right, Matt. Like, holy shit, I didn't see this one. Like, like I'm playing well. The team is playing well. We look exciting. Like, we're, we're not getting smacked around. And now you bench me. Like, yeah. damn, it was bad all last year. And now you bench me. Like, and that, the he's reason finally, he's never played in a playoff game, Fitzpatrick, and he really felt like this was his year. He'd have a shot because he that could extra he could, walk for his spot. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah um, the Dolphins haven't won a playoff game since 2000. So it's it's been a while since they've contended, and I think he really thought like he missed out on the playoffs with the Jets by one game in 2015, and I think he desperately thought this was like his last chance to do like a playoff run, and that got kind of taken from him. I think I think where this really hurt Fitzpatrick too is one he was coming off of two wins, two good games that he played well. He had this team behind him, had the locker room behind him, but so you get benched for the new guy, right? The rookie. Well, two is five and three. Now he's the starter the end, the rest of the year. He has to be. But what if he wasn't five and three? What if they're three and five? 
Well, then the team's three and five supposed to be rebuilding. Do you really pull two of there anyways and give Fitzpatrick another shot? And yeah, I don't think you do. So I think he knew right then that that was his last opportunity. And, and I mean, unless Tua gets hurt, but obviously you never look forward to that. You never, you never wish upon that. And, I, yeah. and also why it's sticky is Ryan Fitzpatrick supposed to be this this veteran guy who's supposed to be able to show two of the ropes a little bit. Look, he's a journeyman. He's been around the league. He's been on, what, five, six eight different teams. Eight teams. Eight. He's been on eight different teams. So we can tell two of the lay of the land, but it just didn't look like he ever got even that opportunity. Like it, it looked like he was told that, and that as soon as they got the opportunity to put two in, like the minute they saw that door creep open, they kicked that bitch down and let two in, and that's kind of a letdown if you're Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, like you told me, I was going to get to show this guy the ropes, and and I wasn't. I was just a replacement until Tua woke up and, and said he was ready to go, and that's what it is. But there's still a lot that we haven't seen from Tua. We talked about he's only you know started in two games, and these two games, both of them, he has yet to yet to to attempt, excuse me, over 40 passes. I mean, there are two games this season that Ryan Fitzpatrick has already done that, and I believe like five or six last year that he did that as well, and many of them winding up in wins. So there's that, that that's just a small piece of so much that the, the Dolphins haven't even uncorked yet with Tua. And it could it could look good, it could look bad, but at least with Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know what it is. From a yeah. franchise point of view, you're right. This is your future. You got to do it. You can't you can't be hesitant to start your your future franchise quarterback. I was really impressed with how we played against the Cardinals, who are good too, leading a fourth quarter comeback. And he really he actually that's first game he only completed nine passes. He was twenty for twenty eight, two touchdowns. Uh, him and Kyler Murray, they might be a, like a show for the future, opposite conference, but that was a great, like, in four years, we could be like looking at it, like, oh, wow, that was like the birth of two really good quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And I, I really think Tua showed his promise and why the Dolphins are starting him. Because he, his upside this year, I think, is better than anything Fitzpatrick could be. And again, I think his downside is too, but like, he ran for 35 yards too. Like, he, he is really balling out. I know it's been one game, but I really like the way he's playing. He threw a but, touchdown I mean, to Matt Collins. Matt Collins is awful. I, right. He threw a game-winning touchdown to Matt Collins. Got Matt Collins to win a jump ball. And there were a lot of things that people said they needed to see polished from Tua. I think he showed a lot of different poise, especially on that final drive, you know, going and, and winning the game. He did a lot. So, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I guess, ends his starter career for the Miami Dolphins as of right now 10 touchdowns, 7 interceptions on the season uh, Tua has 0 interceptions in his first 2 starts um, so we, I mean we talked about the ceiling for each one of them, let's talk about the ceiling for the Dolphins as a total, now that they're, they're doing this quarterback change, they kind of you know, jump started their season a little bit, what's the ceiling for the Dolphins? Because there's a lot of people out there saying that not only is this a playoff team, but it's a team that can go and fuck around and may, might win the AFC East if they play their cards right. Like, it, how high is their ceiling? What's the realistic expectation for the Dolphins this season? I think I, their ceiling is winning the division. I really think... I do too, yo. I really like... They seem more at ease. The Bills, like, have, like, this pressure around them, it seems. And the Dolphins' defense has been fantastic. And... Just in terms of point differential, they're fourth in the league. Uh, they've the amount of I can't they've allowed some of like the fewest points in the league. And Flores has really turned around a disaster. Like five games into last year, it was like, are the Dolphins like the worst team ever? Right. And now they're like, can they win the AFC East? Incredible turnaround. And uh, they could win the division and win a playoff game. I think 
I think that's their ceiling. I really think yeah. they have a shot. That's where I was going to go. I think their ceiling is win the division and a playoff game. It's going to be tough, but if, say, you win the division, now you have to look at are you going to be the last seed of the division winners? And if they can eke out that AFC South team, who's probably going to be the other one at the bottom with them in terms of division winners, then they avoid an AFC North Ravens or Steelers. And if they have to play maybe the Bills or they have to play the Raiders or maybe another AFC South team, they can get that win in the playoffs. They do play the Raiders. They, they have that rescheduled game against the Raiders. That's that's to be decided. I'm looking at their schedule right now. And y'all, it's not the craziest thing in the world. Yep. Like, it, it's really not. They their next three four teams. games are easy. Their next, next four, four games, games are Broncos, easy. Broncos, Jets, Bengals, uh, or sorry, Chargers, uh, Broncos, Jets, and then Bengals. That's their next four. That's After at least that, three and one. That's got to be at least three that's and got, one. You, that, that, yeah. you can do that. You can do that. And then the, the last four to end the season go Chiefs, Patriots, Raiders, Bills, which I could see a split for that, losing the Bills and Chiefs beating the, the Raiders and the Patriots. Like that's, I mean, you, you, that, you take care of business over there, yeah. and you're, you're talking about maybe five and three at the end of the season that puts you at ten and six. That should put you in a, in a playoff contention spot. That, and that week, that week seventeen game could be for the division. That could be a real good one to watch. Yeah, that, that that's a game that they probably will have to win. But they only play three. What is it? Eight more games left. They play three winning teams, and one is the team they're contending with. They have it mapped out, and the Bills play more winning teams. I know the Dolphins have to play the Chiefs. Probably not a win, but outside of that, any game there is winnable. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're showing just competitive nature. They are uh, they are running into some struggles though. They're in the bottom half of the league in passing yard in passing yards, passing yards allowed, rushing yards, and rushing yards allowed. But somehow keep winning games. Uh, I, to me, that's like that's like a, a stat that you have when Ryan Fitzpatrick is your starting quarterback. Like that that's a quirky ass stat for a quarterback. You gotta say you gotta look at you gotta look deeper. They're second in DVOA in special teams. That goes a long way when you get those extra punt yards. You get those longer field goals. You get that good kickoff coverage and punt coverage. Those yards add up, and it can be up to like 80 yards a game. Good special team saves you. And even if your defense is a bend but don't break, they have a lot more to bend when it's a longer field. field Yeah, the only thing I'm concerned about is that they are like third in the league in takeaways. They have three defensive or special team touchdowns, and a couple of these wins have relied on that. I mean, they've given up 500 more yards than they've than they've gotten themselves. Mm. But somehow they've scored 61 more points. I mean, a little bit of burden is going towards the defense, but I don't think you can trust them when they need takeaways to be effective. And you could lose games down the stretch easily when that defense doesn't get interceptions or fumbles. Well, well one thing we know about Tua is he don't throw interceptions. We saw that at Alabama. He holds on to the football or takes care of the football, I should say. Um, so when you're talking about a lot of those stats, Carl, you're also talking about a team that was dealing with Ryan Fitzpatrick, who will, will give you some electricity, but will turn the ball over. We talked about the ten touchdowns, to seven, seven picks in six games. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of interceptions. So maybe that takes a little bit of more burden off the defense. You're not putting them back on the field in short situations to give up these points anymore. And if you're talking about all those all those special teams, like the second in DVOA is what points to the fact that they have this minus five hundred in yards differential but they're still winning all of these games is because they're making that up on the special teams aspect. That's what, that's what good teams do, man. You balance yourself out that way. And I think that if you take the interceptions out of this equation, you get yourselves a 10-11 win football team, which I can't remember the last time I told you that the Miami Dolphins were a 10-11 win football team. And <laughs> and and it gets you to win the AFC East. So I, I think... Chad Pennington in 08 is the last time they won 11 games. My dad loves Chad. My dad is a Dolphins fan, by the way, and he loves Chad Pennington. Like, I, I guess probably because the last, like, good success he's seen. Last time they won the division. 
Yeah, so, like he, yeah. So he 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 does love Chad Pennington, but they they have a realistic chance uh, of doing it this year. Like I, just, I think I think I'm it's the Bills. The Bills are all they got to go through. I don't see them having to go through the Patriots. I obviously don't have to go through the Jets, but it's it's just the Bills to get there. And you talked about him at the Bills have like this this tension around them. This tension of like we can't lose, we can't give it up. The Dolphins are playing carefree. It's fun when like you came in with low expectations and you're shouting expectations. The Dolphins look like they're having fun playing football. I mean, it's fun when you give up 470 yards to the Rams and you don't even get 150 yards and you somehow win. I just don't think I just don't think it's sustainable in terms of defense. I mean, maybe they can pick it up, but they're very reliant on these defensive touchdowns and takeaways. Right? Okay, but you're the same. But you're the same one saying that their ceiling is going to a playoff game and winning a playoff game. That's a ceiling. So it's how, not a projection. So you, oh, 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 so that's so. What's your prediction then? That's different. Prediction is different from ceiling. I think they fight for the last wild card spot. I think the Bills win the division, and then they fight with um, the AFC North teams locked as a wild card spot, and then it's between them and AFC South team, either the Colts or the Titans, and the Raiders probably for that final two spots. That's right. That's my. Yeah, I, I would pick the Bills to win the division too, but. I like the Dolphins' future better than the Bills' future, but I like well, the I, Bills' future better than the Dolphins'. Well, hundred percent. And 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 to 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 clarify to everybody out there listening, this isn't a you know are the Dolphins going to lose the AFC East or or you know how much do we think the Dolphins going to win the AFC East? That when we talk about a ceiling, Kyle kind of expressed it like best case scenario kind of thing. Like, like yeah. how realistic would it be if they caught up to the Bills? We're talking about the Dolphins from a point of view of them being behind the Bills. Yeah. Like, if this isn't a, a neck-and-neck race, and are they going to beat the Bills to the to the finish of the AFC East? No. A lot has to go right. They have to play extremely, like, good football to get there. But I think it, it, it was noteworthy. It's why I wanted to talk about it on this podcast. It's noteworthy that we're talking about the Dolphins possibly catching up to an <laughs> AFC East title. Like, it, yeah. it's, it's very noteworthy. I just want to give them that props and give them that shine. And yeah, give uh, give props to Brian Flores because I was one of the people who was who was scratching their heads when he put two in in the fashion that he put them in. It wasn't an easy transition. It was it was a quick hard you know quick hard turn, quick hard cut to put them in, and that was like a, a make or break kind of thing. Either this works or it crashes and fails and looks like it's gonna work. So give Brian Flores that credit. Matt, sure. what, what are you, what's your prediction for the Dolphins? What do you have them doing? I got them going nine and seven, getting that last wild card spot. You think nine and seven gets you that last wild card spot? Yeah, I don't think the think is that good, that good. So, I think it does too. Okay, I have a more ten and six. I'm, I'm more on the optimistic point of view, but then absolutely getting that that abs- that last wild card spot too. But we'll see. Um, but that's a surprising AFC team. We'll move on to the other conference, the NFC, because I think we have to ask this question: If there's a new NFC favorite after the Saints, absolutely embarrassed. My Bucks on Sunday Night Football. That moves them into first place in the NFC South. Moves them at the top of the NFC division. And we've been talking about the Packers and talking about the Seahawks as who we think are going to represent the NFC as the Saints weren't looking all that impressive. Now here go two wins. Now here goes back in first place in the NFC South. Should we should we be regarding the Saints as the new NFC favorites now after that win against the Bucks? Yes, and I want to stop all Drew Brees slander. There was a lot of talk about how he was washed, 2015 Manning, a lot, a lot, a lot of it. Especially I'm not during some, during that, in the first half of that Monday night game against the Chargers, there was a lot of chat on Twitter before, about he's washed. Before you get into whatever you're going to get into, I'm still not overly impressed of what I see at Drew Brees. I'll just put, I'll just put it there. I'll just put it that way. 
I'm fine. He, never, he never lights up your screen. He just always makes the smart play. He doesn't have the deep ball anymore, and he's still carving up defenses without it. He hasn't had Michael Thomas for six of the eight games, and he still has a 110.3 passer rating. A mad Drew Brees season is a top five quarterback. And he, he's, and I, I'm done with the disrespect of Drew Brees. He's, everyone called, was so rushing to call and watch. He almost won MVP over Mahomes two years ago. He was incredible last year. He struggled in a playoff game. Everyone decides he's done. It, it's not. He is, he is going to lead the Saints to the one seed in the NFC because he is the most, he's the best quarterback besides Russell Wilson in the conference. I mean, I don't think people were saying it was washed a little bit. People are also tired of seeing regular season success and then crapping out in the playoffs. Like, I, I, people are tired of seeing that. I think that was. Yeah, that they, was, they, they was because of I mean, the same. He had one bad game in their playoff loss. Like he screwed. He had a bad game against the Vikings last year. He was fine against the Rams. Fine against the Vikings the year before. Fine against the Rams. I, 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 that blown call happens. That blown call happens against them. They get overtime. What does he do? The first possession. His arm got hit. He throws an interception the first but his arm got, That's on the offensive line. The arm gets it. But that was a win, game. though. That's a win without the blown call. Yeah. And the year before, it's a win and, if, and they if win the Stephon Diggs they win the doesn't Super somehow Bowl get out of the they call that correctly. But. Again? They win the Super Bowl? You're if saying, they call that correctly. Yeah. You're saying they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl? Yeah. 74% completion percentage is uh, the third best completion percentage of all time if the season ended today. The other two are Drew Brees last year and Drew Brees the year before. And he, this is his when he's washed. I know it's like, oh, he's only throwing five-yard plays, but he's still I mean, averaging 7.4 yards per attempt, which is perfectly fine. Yeah, I mean, yo, two five-yard gains is a first down. And I think yeah. the, the Saints are like one of the few teams that realize that. Like, te- teams are going to give you a five-yard slant every single time. And to them, they think it's okay because you get tackled for five yards. It's not a big play over the top of your head. You do that twice, it's the first down. You do that three times, now you got 15 yards and we're moving the field. And that's exactly what they did against the Bucs. Like, I've seen it twice now this season where we were okay not giving anything over top. Like, Drew Brees is going to throw anything for 40 yards in the air. Like, he's not going to. Yeah, he's only behind Rodgers, Wilson, and Mahomes in pass rating right now. He he should be in the thick of the MVP talk. And and also, he's, he's, he'll spread the ball around the yard, too. I remember in the, in the Buccaneers game, I believe in the first half, he completed a pass to, like, 11 different receivers with Michael Thomas back. And yeah, give me – if you – Again, all-time leader in passing touchdowns, all-time leader in passing yards, and he's made and he's still dealing at 41. Everyone goes nuts about how great Brady is at his age. Brees is doing just as good, although he's yeah, two I, years younger. I don't know when we stopped praising Drew Brees. I know the Saints started a little slow after winning Week One, but like he's Matt mentioned the completion percentage. That's his stat. He's been the league leader in it for like three years now. He's only thrown three interceptions, and he's top ten in touchdowns. And if you end the season today. This is his third best season in terms of QBR in his entire career. I mean, there he's not watching. The Saints are back to the original question: Are they the favorites? I still don't think so over Seattle. To me, I don't trust but, Seattle's defense. But Come man, on, Seattle's defense is. But great. man, was it impressive on Sunday? I mean, Alvin Kamara had like nine carries. It didn't yeah. matter. It didn't matter. Their defense looked great too. They overtook but, the Bucks for number one in DVOA. And I tr- I know they keep flaming out in the playoffs, but I think two of those games is just horrible luck. And this might... I, I don't know if I'm going to pick them yet. There's still a lot I need to see. But they, they should be talked about with, like, 
every other team in the NFC because no team in the NFC has won the Super Bowl recently. No good team in the NFC has won the Super Bowl recently. So, like, they're them, the Seahawks, the Packers, they're all in the same bunch together. And Michael Thomas is back. He led them in receiving yards, and people don't even understand that he's going to catch 15 balls a game and over yeah, 100 he's, yards. He's going to come back and go and go right to go right back to what he was doing. Yeah. But we talked about you talked about how you like you don't you don't really trust the the Seahawks defense. The Saints defense is is hit or miss. The Saints defense shows up some games. Saints defense doesn't show up some games. And it looked like a sun on Sunday was a byproduct of a Buccaneers team that inserted AB into their offense for four days and was just just didn't look on the same no one looked on the same page it didn't look like they were ready to go out there and play that aided the Saints defense a little bit but it's not like the Saints defense is anything crazy anything super super special this season they've had their moments they're but they good like, they're not they're unbelievable the, the reason why I like the Saints because they're balanced at everything they're the only team in the NFL that's top 10 in all three DVOA stats as in special teams offense and defense they're and it's Almost top five is like six, seven, and five is how they rank. They they're good. They're very good everywhere. And when a team's very good everywhere, they're very hard to beat. Like a lot, it reminds me a lot of like the Eagles team that won the Super Bowl. That we were very good at. Ev- we weren't the best at everything, but we were very good at every level, and that's enough. And and one thing they have that no one else has in the league is this little annoying pest that they call Taysom Hill that they can just throw him in wherever the hell they want to and he will make an impact like I'm not sure as Eagles fans if you guys have someone that just when he pops on your screen it just makes your skin crawl like it just makes you angry that's Taysom Hill for me like I watched him beat my team in every way if he was on defense he would have had an interception like that that's how that's how Sunday was going I mean was running it threw it twice had two completions made a big play on special teams like that that's a player that you can literally stick and have an impact in any facet of the field in the sense of the only ones that have that. The only yeah. ones that possess that. Teams I mean, as, a, to with it. as an Eagles fan, I hate seeing Zeke, but it, I couldn't imagine hating like the Saints and seeing Taysom Hill on the field. He led them in rushing last week. Kirk Cousins always kills the Eagles. That's who I don't like. He always Matt, plays Matt, like Matt, Kirk Cousins is a graham cracker compared to what Taysom Hill does. Like to, to me, and and when I watch him play the Buccaneers when he's on the Saints, like like he is he is so like insignificant compared to what Taysom Hill like just does to my, to my anxiety level when I watch him. Like it, it it was the the fact that he lines up in his wildcat formation and it's like he's looking at where he's gonna run before it snaps, so everyone knows that a run is coming. No fake, no no misdirection, no nothing. He just gets the ball and starts running forward. And all of a sudden, 15 yards later, someone's like dragging behind yeah. him. I have bad Taysom Hill memories too. In the playoff loss that we had to the Saints a couple years ago, they had a fourth and one down 14 nothing at like their own 25 yard line. And they did a fake punt. And I remember looking at the punt, it was like, that's Taysom Hill right there. They're going to yeah. fake it. And it, that's exactly what happened. Exactly what I was like screaming at breath, like, they, I knew it's going to happen. Like, I, I, Taysom Hill is definitely a want to pull your hair out kind of player. Well, here, here's here's my bold prediction, ready? Here, here's what it is. If the Saints do make this deep playoff run, if the Saints finally get over that hump and go to the Super Bowl, I'll, I think it'll be because they fully embrace the fact that they have the secret weapon that nobody else has and that nobody seems to be able to contain in Taysom Hill. Like, I, I see them already. They, like, Taysom Hill comes on the field more, more, more often, more frequently. And, and you know, as soon as the game starts, I believe it was like the second drive where we saw Taysom Hill go on the center and take a snap. And even the announcers were like, wow, like, this is, this is early for Taysom Hill to be doing this. 
but I think it's just a regular part of their offense now. It's just a way to keep defenses off balance. Like once you think you figured out the Saints for two drives, you stall them out three, you know, two, three and outs in a row, and they're gonna come back with Taysom Hill in the next next possession and just swing momentum back in their favor. Like it's something that they have that literally nobody else has. It's crazy. Yeah, in the last uh, in the last five games, actually, he's had twenty or I guess it's nineteen or more offensive snaps, which is like. The, his average on his career is like 12 and a half. So they are using him more. That's interesting. I didn't realize that. Yeah, man. It's it's tough. It was it was it was rough to watch. Season's not over, but it's it's really tough because it really looks like uh, the Tampa's not gonna finish first in that division because they got swept by they, New Orleans. Yeah, they got swept by um New and World. we're not allowed to talk about certain teams, but there's a chance that um Tampa winds up playing uh no one to somebody. be spoken of in the first in the first round of the playoffs, which will That'll be, be a, that'll be a exciting be fun podcast. That'll be an all-time all time podcast, all-time game. Y'all might have to either come check me out at the hospital or check me out of jail. There's one one of those two is, is most likely if that game happens uh, in Philly. I don't even want to talk about it. That that puts my anxiety all absolutely through the roof. But we're going to move on. We're going to bring back a segment that we haven't done a little bit on Straight Facts. It's called Bullish or Bullshit. You remember this? You know, we used to do it a lot. We're going to bring it back again. Obviously, referencing the stock market again, we're going to tell you the chances of something. We're going to go around the the panel and tell me if you're bullish on the chances of this happening or if the chances of this happening are bullshit. All right, Matt, you're first. The first one, why don't we just stay on brand here? The chances that the Bucks make a deep playoff run after what we saw on Sunday and knowing that they have this new element of Antonio Brown, how the defense have been struggling for these past two or three games. After what you've seen from this Bucks team, the chances that they make a deep playoff run, what are you? I am bullish, but it's close. Like I, I, I'm almost. It's hard for me to go in one direction, right. but I got, I got to go with two things: Tom Brady and advanced stats. And they're still second in DVOA, which, and they still got a really good defense, although it didn't look like it last on the other. Sunday night or Monday night? It's Sunday, Sunday night, yeah. Sunday, Sunday night. night and then Monday night against the Giants, which still didn't look that good. If Daniel Jones is like an average quarterback, we lose that game. That's that's yeah. just straight up. I I I it's hard for me to say bullshit about a team that is as talented as Tampa Bay. Like I, it's tough, but like they're still like really loaded and deep playoff run, win a couple of playoff games, make the NFC title game. That's perfectly within my realm of possibility. Wouldn't be shocked at all if that happened. Okay. Homer's going to kick in a little bit because I'm not going to say bullshit. There's, I'm, I'm not going to say my team is down and out like that. But I don't feel that good. Like, like it's it's a thin line. I'm probably, I'm kind of where you are, man. It's a thin line. If I got to choose one, I'll be bullish and ride with my squad. But I will say this. I felt like this a lot of times as a Buccaneers fan. We're like, we just got embarrassed on national TV. What we thought was going to happen isn't happening. Our defense is starting to slip off the rails. But never have I had Tom Brady when I felt like this. Like that, like it put me in a weird depressive state that I've been in as a Buccaneers fan a lot. And then I look at my TB12 jersey and I'm like, oh yeah, we got that man as quarterback this time. Not Jameis or Josh Freeman or Jeff Garcia or whoever it has been in the past. We, we don't have Mike Glennon. We don't have him. We Bruce have Gronkowski. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have Tom Brady this time. We have Tom Brady this time. So I'm bullish that, you know, we'll get we'll get it figured out. Kyle, the chances the Bucks make a deep playoff run. All right. I mean, I'm bullish. I mean, you have Tom Brady in the playoffs. I'm not worried about him. I do think that defense is good, as Matt mentioned, the DVOA stat. But 
I'm not worried about their regular season performance at all at this point. You lost this one team in your division twice, and I'm not worried about that in the playoffs. If it comes Tampa Bay Saints in the playoffs, it's going to be a hard, gritty game. And then you lost the Bears game, which I honestly have no understanding of how you lose that game. The Bears played horrible, and you guys somehow just couldn't put any points on the board. Not worried about that. I think it's figured out by playoff time, and you give me Tom Brady in any playoff game, I'm giving him an 80% shot to win. I mean, I, I'll take that. I'll tell you why we lost the Bears game. I'll tell you why we look bad against the Giants. I'll tell you why we lost the Saints. The Buccaneers in prime time. I don't think I've – I've in, in the 18 years I've been a Buccaneers fan, I think I can count on one hand the amount of times I've seen them play well in prime time. I can probably count on, on hands and feet the amount of times I've seen them on prime time because of how bad <laughs> we've been. But, like, we don't we don't ever play well in prime time. When the lights go down, when, when it's dark out, like that that's when we don't play well. Give us Aaron Rodgers at 425, we'll smack him. <laughs> Give us Justin Herbert at 125, no problem. Give us Teddy Bridgewater on a Sunday afternoon, we're cool. When the when it goes dark and the lights come on, there's I just don't understand. I I just I don't understand. That's the Bucks first home Sunday night game since 2008. I got literally I I, wow. I thought it was like our first ever. Like I literally couldn't tell you the last time we played a, a Yeah, Sunday they said during the broadcast it was the lowest ever Sunday night football rating because all the Bucks fans were watching game 7 of the ALCS cuz the Rays were in, in it. So, like they didn't right, have well, the local base. I mean, you have to hurt that like that. All right, you have to make it hurt. Right, I guess like that was that. the World Series. Right. All right, we're going to move on. This next one, Kyle, coming to you first. The chances that Cam Newton bring brings the Patriots into contention. We've seen real lackluster performances by Cam. He eked out a win against the Jets. What are the chances that he brings them to serious contention? This is bullshit. Uh, I mean, this is the this is the stock that has, like, insider trading come out like <laughs> <laughs> there's no way i mean i've we, i've expressed my thoughts on cam the past couple weeks but i don't think the team's good i mean they should have lost to the jets if we're being honest there but i mean there's no shot they're three and six right now the afc wild card you're gonna have to be at least nine and seven maybe ten and six and they're not winning that division over the dolphins or the bills as we discussed earlier yeah i'm I'm bullshit too. They barely beat the Jets. They, I really thought Belichick might be throwing the season and try to get Trevor Lawrence. I was getting a little nervous. Rooting pretty hard for the Pats at the end of that game. Uh, I just don't see a way that they can. They're just so. At best, they're like mediocre. Because even if Cam plays well, they really have no weapons on offense that you really trust. Their defense is decimated by COVID holdouts and injuries. They they just scream six and ten. I don't see a scenario where they have any kind of contention with the Bills and Dolphins for the division. Right. I'm bullshit too. Um, but I think people need to take the heat off of Cam Newton so much. Has he been playing well? Absolutely not. Like has he even been playing close to what we thought Cam Newton was or, or could be when he came back? No. But this doesn't look like a complete team. You talked about the lack of weapons at offense. He hasn't had Julian Edelman for what three weeks now, and you talk about all the in, you know the holdouts and the COVID list they have on injuries, starting with their best player in Dante Hightower. So, like this is this is a team that was incomplete from the start, and you bring you know a new quarterback like Cam Newton in, and it's and it's tough. So I don't, I don't, I don't put it so much on Cam Newton, but he's not going to be the one to to bring him to playoff contention. I think Ro- did Rosie make an appearance again? Yeah, yeah, she's running around. <laughs> That's, that's tough. Rosie doesn't think Cam Newton's going to bring uh, the Patriots to playoff contention either. All right. This next one. And it hurts me a little bit. Um, 
But the chances that Anthony Lynn gets fired either at the end or before the end of the season as Chargers head coach. I mean, we, we talked about it. He, A lot of people think he's almost squandering what could be an offensive rookie of the year season from Justin Herbert, rolling multiple 20, you know, multiple double-digit leads, losing games he shouldn't. I mean, but does Anthony Lynn lose his job at the end of the season, Kyle? Uh, this one's so hard for me because I don't think he should. I like Anthony Lynn as like as a head coach but if we're, if we're talking the chances here i mean i think i'm pretty bullish about it it's, it's tough to ignore how bad he is in the fourth quarter and when games get close i think it's now i mean i looked at the stat two weeks ago but i think they've lost two one score games in a row so they're like three in 15 in one score games in the over the past two seasons he just can't win football games i don't understand why i don't hate the chargers team they have keenan allen who's great herbert's great eckler's great Mike Williams is great. Your defense is doable. I mean, I don't understand how they're two and six, and I like him as a coach, and I th- I think he's a good players coach as well. He gets his guys going, but I I think I think he probably gets fired. I I'm I don't want to. I'm bullshit on the idea that he should be fired, just on the sense that when you have a rookie quarterback and you have and you're providing him with opportunities to succeed, which they have been doing, because he's Herbert's been great. And they've shown so much future promise. This is not a year that they're supposed to be like contending for the playoffs. This is the year they have to work through the kinks and stuff. But as long as you have the base of a good co- coach and QB relationship, where the coach is giving the QB a lot of ways to succeed, I think you keep that. And if the late game struggles continue again for the Chargers next season, I think that's when you got to pull the plug. You're you're giving, and I appreciate. Because Anthony Lynn's a good guy. I don't think anyone wants to see Anthony Lynn, you know, lose his job. But I'm kind of bullish on it, too, because how much of a leash are you going to give somebody? This is year two that we're, we're, we're seeing that the same struggles he was seeing last year. And, like, when you when you are so incompetent late in football games, like, that's, like, the number one job as a coach. You talk about providing the ways to succeed for a young quarterback. Well, how about providing ways that your team closes football games? Like, you can't keep showing the same things over and over again. And, and expect to keep the same job. Like, Anthony Lynn's job is very much in jeopardy if he keeps doing this. He's going to lose his job at the end of the season. Like, he, he's go, he's going to. I can see that. I can see that absolutely happening. I'm bullish So, on you're it. bullish on it? Okay. I'm definitely bullish but on get, it. Give him the Jets job. I want to see Anthony Lynn as a head I coach. See, I want to see Anthony Lynn as a head coach. He, I mean, yeah. he needs some help. Yeah. He obviously needs some help. And, I don't know, maybe the Jets. I don't want to send anyone to the Jets. And I know it's not just the Jets. I know it's mostly Adam Gase, but, like, I really just don't want to send anybody over there. It's hard to get worse if you're on the Jets. So there's some improvement that would come regardless, I think. That, that's true. Go from 0-16 to, to 2-14. and 14. Speaking of an 0-16 Jets, that's the last one. Matt, the chances the Jets finish 0-16. Zero wins. Who's taking the win column? They, they've been cl- – they, they came close against the Pats – I think they win a game or two. They don't. They don't. I've watched a lot of those Browns years where they went one and thirty-one. I just I don't know why, but I always like I never I never want a team to go zero and sixteen. So whenever a team gets like zero and eleven, zero and twelve, I like root for them just so like they don't have right, the just embarrassment. Just get one. Just get one. Yeah, just get one. Just get one. And uh, this team's has more talent than those Browns teams. It's worse, poorly coached. I think they find they based on the fact that they really almost beat the Pats. Who they find a way to win somewhere. I don't know where though. Really? Where? How? Why? No, I'm kind of no, no, no. I'm kind of I'm kind of bullish. Like I've seen a lot of bad teams. 
I've seen a lot of bad teams in the NFL. But there are some teams who look like they are steering into the skid of we're the worst team in the league. And the Jets look like, Rosie agrees, the Jets look like they're steering into the skid as the worst team in the league. Now, what is going on? <laughs> She's having a fit on the couch. Absolutely devouring something as the ca- on the couch. But no, I'm serious. Like it, it just knocked all the cushions off. It, it to me looks like like the Jets are steering into the skid as the, as the worst team in the league. It looks abysmal. Explain me win. why Adam Gase. Explain me why Adam Gase isn't fired yet. Explain that. Uh, he's the tank commander. You can't fire the tank commander. Exactly. You gotta get Trevor Lawrence. Like, like he's he's driving this this Titanic into the glacier. I'll tell like, you where they win. They beat the Browns. That way, the Browns own the 0 16 of like the. That would be the most. That would be a very Browns thing to happen. That would be That's the Bucks. The Bucks also have a, a, a defeated season under their belt. Their first year as the Tampa Bay Bucks, they went defeated. Kyle, bullish or bullshit? Chances the Jets go 0 16. I'm very bullish. Uh, I think there's three winnable games. Matt named one. That's the Browns. You got a week 17 at New England, potentially winnable. But I think their best shot is uh, their next game against who we just talked about, the Chargers. Because if they keep that in a one-score game, they're going to have the opportunities in the fourth quarter. But I actually I do agree with Matt for a different reason. I think if it's week 16 against the Browns, if the Browns are out of playoff contention at that point, and the Jets don't want to go 0-16 as no team ever wants to go 0-16. We could sneak, or no, we, I don't care about the Jets. They could sneak out They could sneak out a win. The choking. The Browns will be like 8-6 and six going into week 15, and they got to win the next two to make the playoffs, and then they'll lose to the Jets to once. They could like, choke that way too. That way. That's, what, that's what's going to happen. I'm calling yeah, it now. But, Overall, I'm bullish. Uh, I do think their best shot is this Chargers game, though. And I would hate to see the Chargers lose this game, but it's very possible. We could knock out a lot of dominoes with that one because the Jets wouldn't go on 16. That's the game Anthony Lynn would lose his job. Like, <laughs> he that's, gets fired. It, you know, the ripple effect would happen for our bullish and bullish segment uh, on, on that game for sure. But all right, let's move on, Kyle. Tell us what happened this past week in sports. All right, so we officially have a start date for the upcoming NBA season. It's going to be December 22nd. Training camps will start December 21st. The quick turnaround is going to allow for a more normalized schedule where each team is going to play a 72-game schedule that's going to be announced at a later date. It also appears that fans are not going to be allowed into the stadiums at the start of the season, and they're going to look more towards 2021 to see when they can allow fans in the stadium. I'm telling you, the Warriors have one of the biggest advantages an NBA team's ever had. They haven't played a game since March. Their their legs are fresh as hell, and they're good. Like they have the and they have the second pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. So they got Curry. They got Clay coming back. They're going to be the freshest team in the league, and they're going to start hot. Yeah, I believe so. I'm I'm just happy overall that the the players in the league could come to an agreement on the start date. Um, because let's face it, like if we're being completely honest, there might be two teams I would allow that I would say you have the legitimate case of like wanting to start in January instead of December. But Lakers in the heat. Hey, Lakers in heat. That's it. Yeah. And, and <laughs> even within that, probably only one person on either of those teams has a legitimate argument of why I don't want to play in, yeah. in December. Like, like every other NBA player, I can pretty much make a case. So you have to go. And like 90% of the way I make a case for LeBron too. Like that, like, do you want I think to he lose? wants to play. Yeah, do you want to lose half LeBron of anybody knows the financial implications of not starting on time? Do you want to lose half a billion dollars? 
Dude, and I, the legacy. And the legacy. You lose 40 games or you lose 30 games. I know he's been eyeing up Kareem's points number for a long yeah, time. Like he got, he got I think he wants to play as many games as possible. He got stuff. And 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 LeBron don't got too many years left. So like going Maybe. to a, a, a I'm going telling you, LeBron's gonna be rough on defense in the regular season. Oh, yeah, no, 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 yeah. no. We don't expect that. We don't expect like that. 2017 but, Harden. But think about this also. Like Adam Silver is a, a great GM pulled off probably one of the best GM, uh, one of the best GM seasons that I've seen handling COVID and the, and the racial injustice and the bubble and everything and not getting a single COVID case. I mean, he was, he was masterful in it. So when Adam Silver comes to the players and says, Hey, for financial obligations and as a business, we probably should and need to start on December 22nd. That's not him saying that to try to like get one over on somebody or to try to get more money in his pocket or in the league's pocket at the exploitation of his players. That's literally Adam Silver coming to players like LeBron, KD, experienced players in the league and be like, just straight up, we're going to lose half a billion dollars if we don't play on time. And what kind of GM would I be if I said, okay, to my business losing half a billion dollars? Like, like, like it is my job to pull that money in. We have contracts. We have TV schedules. We have like stuff is supposed to happen there. So like that affects your pockets too. If the league goes under five, like half a billion. Yeah, I'm just happy they reached an agreement. They could have got a little sticky there with the players. I know they don't agree much on the NBA and the Players I Association. But... I bet it was Kawhi's little load management ass that, that was at the forefront <laughs> of not wanting to play. I bet it was him. <laughs> but moving Here's forward, so the, so the Philadelphia Union have won their first trophy in team history, being the 2020 Supporters' Shield. That trophy is awarded to the team with the best regular season record in the MLS. And it's a special moment for the club, who's been around 11 years now and just got their first trophy. The season's going to continue with the MLS playoffs, and that's going to uh, start on November 20th. Yeah, uh, they had lost three cup finals in their past history. I think it's called the U.S. Open Cup, which is a stupid name. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, one of them was in penalties, I'm pretty sure. And they've never had like a good playoff run. The, la- the best playoff run they had was last year when they won like one round of the playoffs. And this actually qualifies them for the CONCACAF Champions League for the first time in their history. They'll be playing against the best teams of North America. And it goes straight into a round of 16. Uh, so they got if they win the CONCACAF Champions League, they'll be in the Club World Cup and be playing the like the winner of the actual Champions League, which would be really I mean, cool to see. Yeah, that, that, wow. Bayern Munich, Philadelphia Union, let's go. <laughs> Yo, in a year where Philadelphia sports haven't been the greatest, I think this should get way more attention. Like this, this is this is a, a, a major trophy coming over to the city of Philadelphia, where the three major sports teams were were very underwhelming. Hey, wow, just crapping what? on the Flyers, not even calling them one of the four major sports. I said one. Jeez. I said they're three. I said they're three major. I said they're three major. Did there's I say four? You said there's there should be four. Oh, no, Union no, are the three most major. Sorry, Matt. They're three most major. We're we're all disappointed. Wait, so are we counting the? F- the Flyers were we, disappointing. They were like, good this year. Are we? Oh, uh, okay. okay. Football, okay. baseball, basketball. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. Okay, I'm not right. <laughs> All right, moving forward. So we're seeing a plethora of cancellations in college football this week due to the pandemic, of course. Um, the SEC has postponed three games this upcoming weekend. And just today, Ohio State and Maryland set for this weekend is getting canceled as eight Maryland players have tested positive for COVID. This puts the official count at 53 games this season that have been either canceled or postponed. And with COVID cases spiking in basically every state, that number is not stopping there. What are those dumbass Notre Dame fans doing at the end of the game? They're going to have a bunch of games canceled too. Like, why do we have... I've, 
There's way too many people in the stadium. I don't know why there should be. I don't think there should be more than at most a tenth of the capacity. Now, England, no, there should be any. Now, now. <laughs> you look in England, they still don't have fans at the Premier League games, and they're way better than us with COVID. They have way fewer cases. Why? It's it's really stupid how many people we're allowing to go to sporting events, and when you allow. 20,000 college kids to go to a sporting event and they beat the number one team in the country. Brian Kelly knew it was going to happen and he had like a strategy to get off the field after the game to make sure the players would stay safe. I mean, uh, I, I don't really blame... I'm not going to say I don't blame the, the students as much because, I mean, you're you're 18 to 22 year olds. You, there's, you're smart enough to realize that you know, if there's a pandemic and if you wanted to take the precaution to, you wouldn't storm the field. But if, if, just like you said, if the number, if I go play the number one or the number one team in the country comes to my crib and we beat them, I'm probably storming the field. That's what's going to happen. If you put, if you put a giant tub of ice cream in someone and that's trying to go on a diet and then get mad at them for eating it, it's your fault, you asshole. Yeah. And, and like my, my biggest question to the NCAA, to the NFL too. Because the NFL is not clear from this COVID stuff. We just saw four Pittsburgh Steelers players go on a reserve list for being at risk of, you know, high exposure for COVID because of Vance McDonald. Do you care? Like, do, like, do we care that we're still getting COVID results? Do we care that there's 53 games that have been rescheduled? Do we care that many other countries are done with COVID and we're still hitting triple digits on a daily? Like, do we care? Because that, that at this point, that's what I'm asking myself. I'm asking the NCAA, I'm asking the NFL, I'm asking anyone who isn't taking like serious precautions for this. Like, do you care? Like, or, or does COVID coming across your desk just, oh, there's another COVID case. So we just do what we're supposed to do and shut everything down. Like, do, like, are we, do we care enough to take serious measure and serious precaution to not allow a, a, a virus and a pandemic that is killing people to continue to circulate with this regularity? Like, like, I don't understand why we as civilians, as people who are watching this, why we're more upset than the actual organizations that are going through it. Yeah. Like, at some point, we got to like, geez, like at some point, especially, we gotta, especially for college football. I mean, well, what's the thing in psych? You can't predict one individual, but you can predict what a group's going to do. Yeah. Of course, they were going to storm the field. It, it's prime time, 730, number one team in the country. And my roommate was at Seth Bent. He wasn't in the game. But I saw what went on that whole afternoon. And it, it wasn't good. There was It was obvious they were going to storm the field. I mean, I think the NCAA takes the biggest toll. I don't know if we finish the season, to be honest with I you. I said that at the onset. I said that at, yeah. the, at the onset. I'm not I'm not convinced of it. Or I'm not confident of, of a full season. Yeah, I'm not either. But let's move forward. So... We heard today that James Harden and Russell Westbrook have quote-unquote expressed concerns about the Rockets' immediate future. Of course, this is a team that have just lost their GM and head coach this offseason, and now their two stars saying this, there seems to be reason to worry. Though neither players have requested a trade yet, are we seeing an end to this, I would call it the Harden-era Rockets? I do want to say it just came out from Shams that Russell Westbrook says he wants to leave the Rockets, so there's wow. an official thing. Well, I, so, I, I think that answers our question. I don't, know how, I don't know how tradable that Westbrook contract I don't is. Know how, I don't know how it is either. But, I mean, we saw them go completely all in on this small ball movement. And then when it not worked, the GM and head coach that was responsible for it left. So if you're harder than Russ, you're like, the dudes who were responsible for putting this team together are gone. 
I don't know if I trust anybody else to coach this peculiar of a team or, or, or handle this peculiar of a roster. Like, who who else can coach this? P.J. Tucker is our five. Yeah, they see the writing on the wall that they missed their window with the Rockets. They had their shots, and they know that they're both, like, 32, and they want to go to a place where they can win feasibly in the next couple of years, and Houston's not the place. So I, I said last week, I think, about I'd trade Simmons for Harden. I'd still do it. Um Almost like there's reports that Harden wants to go to like Brooklyn or Miami. I'll do it just to keep him away from that. Boy, those are two those are two contenders right there. I mean, I, I I could see him being on the Sixers. I mean, we talked about this last week. You don't get Harden without with keeping both Simmons and Embiid. It's you don't hard. trade Embiid. You can't touch Embiid. But I'll give up Simmons. You can't. And I, I love I, Simmons. I love Simmons so much. But I wouldn't I want to see either of them go. But. Thank you, Shams, for making an appearance on the podcast. Here that was like perfect. That was like perfect timing. But I got one more thing for us that happened this past week. So um, we have to pay respects to Celtics legend Tommy Heinzen, who passed away this past week at the age of 86. He was a Celtics player, coach, commentator, and or player, coach, and commentator who has had a hand in all 17 of the team's NBA champions as he's been a part of the team for over 60 years. So we want to pay our respects here to Tommy Heinzen. An all-time great. Uh, never gets as much credit as he does from like other Celtics legends. Like if people think of the great Celtics, they can Bird, um, Russell, Bob Cousy, Havlicek, and the Heinzen was a huge part of those early championship teams. He won Rookie of the Year instead of Bill Russell in '57. Uh, probably there's some racism involved in that voting, but he was still like really good in '57 as a rookie, and he deserves his day in the sun as like a legend of basketball and i'm glad to see people respecting him finally yeah that's what i that's what i was gonna go first of all you know you know rest in peace to it to a great you know person of the basketball community all prayers to, to his family and everyone mourning his loss and i mean a, a tough year for basketball continues it's another basketball legend that that we have lost this year in 2020 so you know it, it, it's just tough to see but absolutely pay respects to him okay really. quick thing shams again harden is locked in with the Rockets is what he said. He's committed to the Rockets and locked in for the season. Well, screw us, right? Like, just completely undo everything <laughs> that we just said, Cam. But it's Come Westbrook on, that went out, at least publicly. So it's so funny be... that they were grouping, we yeah. were grouping. Everyone was grouping Harden and Westbrook together. Like, if, if Westbrook wants to go, Harden must want to go. And I'm glad to see that. Or Harden wants Westbrook to go. <laughs> I can hardly, it, might, it might be that. But I'm glad to see someone stick with a team through hard times, not just be able to, you know, I just want to jump ship over and over again. When stuff gets hard, we saw like Damian Lillard and, and Paul George and Pat Bev going back and forth. And Damian Lillard said to Paul George, you know, keep running from the grind. You guys, you guys are jumps, top jumping from team to team, you know, running from the grind. So I'm glad that I'm glad to see that Harden's not. I'm glad to see that Harden, uh, you know, Houston fits Harden in the other way around. It's rare that you get to a city and like w- when you think of the Houston Rockets, you think of James Harden now. When you think of James Harden, you think of the Houston Rockets. They seem to be the little match. So when you have a player that great, you have to think that you can be able to turn it around at some point. I, I think that's his thing. I think he is fully adopted. I am the Rockets. I am Houston, yeah. And I know Olajuwon is the one people think of, but very well, many people get to get James Harden as the Rockets in 20 years. So yeah, I respect that. But definitely a lot of stuff's going to play out this offseason, and I can't wait to look forward to it. But other stuff we're looking forward to is this weekend, and one I'm probably most excited about since I've been doing this in this past week in sports. So we have no games in college football against any ranked opponents. 
which is great for my eyes because I'll be all over the Masters tournament this weekend. Yeah. The final golf major. I cannot wait. Um, and then, of course, we have week 10 of the NFL season. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> which I guess uh, week 10 of the NFL season compa- you know, pales in comparison to Masters Sunday. So. Tiger that John Romshaw was nuts. That John Romshaw was, was the most incredible thing I've, I've ever seen. Over the water, skimming over the yeah. water. Yeah. I sent that like to some my dad. Bullshit. I sent that to my dad, and he'll always, like, like when I send him clips, like, I sent him that uh, uppercut a couple weeks ago, and he's like, nice. And I sent him the golf I sent him the golf clip, and he was, he was like, losing his mind. He was like, how is that even possible? So yeah, it was good. good to get that also, out. Ter- Terrence Crawford defends his heavyweight title, or his, uh, his welterweight title this weekend. I think Terrence Crawford's one of the best, if not the best pound-for-pound fighter in the now world right Lomachenko now. Now that Lomachenko lost, I think he is. Yeah, and he yeah. hasn't fought in a little bit, so he gets, his, he gets his title fight, gets back on ESPN this weekend. I'm hyped to see that fight on Saturday. I'm hyped for that as well. But that's all we have for this past week in sports, so let's get into the countdown. Number five. The number of times James Harden has finished top three in MVP voting. We just talked about the major news that surrounds him and the Rockets. Looks like he's going to stay, but what's the chances that he gets back to MVP odds this season? Like we, he's taking a couple years off of being in that hot race. He was MVP top voting. three last year. Yeah, I mean, three. I mean, no Russ, and he yeah. averaged. And yeah, Harden yeah. already averaged. What did he average last year? Like thirty-six points a game, something stupid. Yeah, so we're gonna see it again. Yeah, I go, think he wants to hit forty in a season. I think he James Harden like, wants to do that. All out, get the sixth seed because they don't have talent, and he gets forty a game. That could happen. I think that's maybe his goal at this point. But <laughs> he's so gross. Let's move into number four. The number of wins Daniel Jones has against Washington in his career, he is 4-0 against them and 1-17 against the rest of the NFL. Daniel Jones is a bust. We knew it at the time. It was a really bad pick. Thank God the Giants are inept. Okay, whoa. But the other option was Dwayne Haskins. People forget that. Dwayne Haskins was the other, like, legit option, and then the Redskins, the then Redskins, took him after the Giants took Daniel Jones. No, no, no. But, but they the could have doesn't look any better. It looked that much no, better. But they could have taken like a really good player at that number and waited for Jones later as well. Like they could, they could have, they could yeah. have. That's that's part of the it. Pick, the pick made no sense. But I actually think like Haskins shouldn't be on the bench right now. Haskins like went out. Like I know he wasn't winning football games, but that team isn't winning football games. And Haskins' numbers were not bad when he got benched. And honestly, I still think his outlook's better than Daniel Jones for a future career. Interesting. Interesting. They both kind of stink. All right, number three. <laughs> the amount of times in Tom Brady's career he's thrown for zero touchdowns and three-plus interceptions, that's in 294 games. Sunday night was the first time in 2006. I told y'all it was rough, and that was one of the worst games I've seen Tom Brady play, one of the, just the worst individual games I've seen him play. He did a lot of things that just, like, the greatest player of all – or the greatest quarterback of all time, Tom Brady, the GOAT, just doesn't do. I mean, yeah. two two intentional grounding calls, just backing straight up and chucking it somewhere and, and throwing it out of bounds, missing complete receivers, throwing it to absolutely nobody, poor game no management. I mean, it just it just looked inept. And like I told you, the worries I had for us when we inserted AB, and it seemed like he wanted to force AB the ball. I'm not sure what Tom Brady and AB got going on, why there's such a close relationship, but like AB was wearing the, the TB12 hat in his in his pregame press conference and then Tom Brady's force feeding the ball I'm like what's there's something there like there's there I don't know what's going on why Tom Brady loves AB so much but it just looked rough man I, I don't know if he's trying to get him involved but uh Mike Thomas or Mike Evans certainly wasn't involved that didn't make sense to me the one thing that is worrisome and I know Brady's not known to be a regular season performer but 
we're getting a little too inconsistent here now, Tom Brady, in the regular season. And that does worry me as an aging quarterback. He's not what he was four years ago, but he's still a top five quarterback. Probably. All right, let's go to number two. Yeah, it's close. Uh, the number of passing attempts Taysom Hill had on Sunday, which is the same amount. Second round pick Jalen Hurts has all season. Personally, I'm fine with Jalen Hurts not passing a lot. Every time I see him in the game, I'm worried there's going to be some weird fumble because I don't trust <laughs> There's always some miscommunication. Uh, I'm of the mind to let Hurts play into the role, but I know Kyle has some other opinions. So well, I think that. before you go, Kyle, I think it's good that you compared Jalen Hurts to Taysom Hill because that's exactly what y'all want him to be in two or three years. So that That's the thing. Person. And I didn't think it was a fair comparison coming out of the draft, but use him. Why did we take him as a second-round pick? We see all the struggles this team has. And Taysom Hill throws the same amount that, or in one game that Jalen Hurts has the whole season. Like, you got a guy. And, and it's not like, the obviously, the comparison's not fair, but we're splitting Jalen Hurts out at wide receiver. NFL teams aren't doing that when they're back up there. To some extent, they want him to be a little bit like Taysom Hill. And here's the comparison. Taysom Hill's a better blocker, better on special teams, better receiver, and a better running back. Maybe not a better rusher in terms of quarterback scrambling. The only thing Jalen Hurst is better than him at is throwing the football. And you're not letting him throw the football. I'm not saying it's a wasted pick, but why it's did we take pick. it? It's but a wasted pick. But why did we take pick. it? You're, what, you, what you just described is a wasted pick. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, I have to give rookies the benefit of the doubt. It takes years sometimes. Obviously, he hasn't had a shot yet, so maybe it works out at some point. Maybe we're concerned about Winston's injuries. But as of right now, why did we take him? You want to save face with Howie right now. I don't know why, but you want to save face with Howie. Uh, all right, we got to move on. I can't. I can't. Number one. The number of games Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant have played on the same team. The only game has been the 2019 All-Star game. And I think this is good to put in because we're talking about a lot of people right now you know, picking the Nets if they stay healthy to come out the East. The Nets are the best team in the East. Who's going to stop the Nets? Gonna... They haven't played a game yet, y'all. We've yeah. we got to see how this thing is going to work. And we're talking about two people who have known to be you know, a, a, a little bit hot-headed, I'll say, at times, both on and off the court, which is Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. This is not going to be a perfect match made in heaven. It's not two guys who like to concede a lot. So, it, yes, it's got the potential to be all-time great. It's also got the potential to be a little bit rocky, at least to start. So, we got to see how this is going to be. I'm not completely sold on the Nets. I'm, com- I'm honest, I'm not completely sold on the Nets. I don't trust Achilles injuries. That's my big thing. I need to see post-Achilles before I can fair. make an evaluation. That's fair. I, I, I think a lot of the hype does come from, obviously, Kyrie is one of the most flashy players in the league. Really fun to watch. All-star, NBA champion. And then we know Kevin Durant. Honestly, I've been missing watching Kevin Durant these past Yeah, me too. I love watching Kevin Durant. Really- so a lot of the hype comes there. But I'm not worried about them. And I'm not going to make a East prediction right now, obviously. But... It's hard for me to say they're not the favorites or at least the number two going into the season. All right, man. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right, number zero. The number of times the Buffalo Bills have been AFC champs in Josh Allen's lifetime. AFC East. AFC East champs. Both, actually. <laughs> well, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Bills have long been uh, a nobody in my entire football lifetime. Uh, they never won a playoff game. The only exciting, like, meaningful playoff game they played in was last year against the Texans. Uh, and I'm excited to see some new blood. Uh, every year, the Patriots being the pen-in week one champs. I'm excited to see some new blood, new quarterbacks, new teams have shots to win the AFC East. 
I've been Josh Allen supporter since day one. A lot of people don't believe me. I don't know why, but I've, I've, I'm big on Josh Allen. Glad to see that he re-entered himself back into the maybe like the outside of the tier one of MVP voting. Um, had, a, had a great game, AFC Offensive Player of the Week. So I'm excited to see it too. And the, we saw the, the Bills secondary was on display last week as well, uh, getting a key interception. So I'm excited to see what, what a Bills team could do. Yeah, me too. I mean, I have been a Josh Allen supporter since like before the draft, but more of like a joke. I don't know if you guys listen to like PFT at all, the Barstool podcast, but they just made jokes about how Josh Allen's going to be elite, and I just rolled with it because it was funny. I but, was very anti Josh Allen, but I'm but I am it's happy very fun to be it. wrong about it. So yeah, he's he's exciting to watch. And in terms of quarterbacks, young quarterbacks that have solidified themselves as starters going forward, he might be at the top of that list. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it Let's there. Wait for another day. Yep, yep. <laughs> we're almost out of time uh, for this episode of Straight Facts. But we can get some shots about the buzzer. Cog, anything to say at the buzzer? Yeah, so uh, holidays are coming up. I know it's hard to even remember there's holidays because yeah, sure. how crazy this year has been. I literally just remembered Christmas was a thing like a month ago. Right. But uh, in terms of people, this is more talking to people in the situation like me. Uh, you're going home to your family and your loved ones. And I, I got an email about it last week. I've the pit cases are going up. We're at like 19 a day now, which is insane. We started at like three a day the past month or the month before. And just you're supposed to quarantine before you go home. You're changing locations. My mom texted me today. She was not worried about it, but she was like pretty much like you have to do this. And I was like, yeah, mom, I'm on it. So just be smart about that. Everyone, there's going to be a big mass. We know people move at Thanksgiving. I know there's going to be family gatherings. I mean, you're not going to avoid that and just quarantine if you're in a situation like me because i know how these campuses have gone i've witnessed it firsthand i'm not a saint either but it hasn't been what it should be in terms of this pandemic i completely agree like um i i echo your first sentiment about the holidays like it's, it's hard to like do we have a whole lot to be like joyful about this holiday season with with 2020 but I'm just glad you just keep echoing the sentiment of like, be smart, be safe. We are still in a pandemic. Like, it's not over. People think it's just, it just is over at some point. It's not I, over. I keep bringing stuff up, but it keeps getting worse. And like, I, I hate it. Like, just come on, guys. I don't know. We got to be better. We got to be better. Matt, you got something to say at the buzzer? So the presidential election was last week and Joe Biden has won. But elections are not over. Two Senate races in Georgia are in a runoff. And they will both be on January 5th. I'm not going to tell you which way to support. I'm telling you, if you care, if you really care about political activism or care about what a Biden administration could potentially look like, these two races really determine about how much the Biden administration could do their policies they want or not do the policies they want, depending on which way you go. Uh, basically, both the, if both Democrats win in uh, Georgia, then the Democrats take the Senate. If they don't, then the Republicans keep the Senate. And if you really care about the results of, of things like that, you should absolutely volunteer, phone bank, donate money if you can, and be involved in democracy. I know we just had an election. Everyone, A lot of people are sick of politics, but if you really care about what happens in the future of the Biden administration, uh, volunteer whatever way you want to happen, volunteer for that side and get involved. Democracy is not a spectator sport. Keep keep us honest, man. Keep us honest, Stat Matt. About I know people do get sick of politics a lot, especially when you when it's been this important and this prevalent as it's been this past couple of years. But it's so important to know that the presidential race isn't the only thing that you should be active for. You should be active in, in multiple races. So I thank you for that. My my at the buzzer has to do with sports, though. 
Um, the James Harden rumors weren't the only rumors to come out of the NBA. Um, it's rumored that the, the Suns are interested in trading uh, for Chris Paul from the Oklahoma City Thunder right now. And if you're as big as an Oklahoma or as big as a Chris Paul fan, I almost said as a Thunder fan, if you're as big of a Chris Paul fan as I am, then you know that Chris Paul deserves better. Chris Paul doesn't deserve to go to the Suns. He's done this. He, he's he's paid his dues. He went to a young team, showed how good he could be, how good his leadership and floor generalship can be, and led them to a playoff spot. Now, I know the Suns have a bright spot in Devin Booker, DeAndre, and there's a lot to be excited for. But if and a top pick and, and a top pick, but if you're at this stage, Chris Paul is you don't you're not you're not putting your stock into potential into what could be. You're putting your stock into what's there, and Chris Paul deserves to at least end his career in contention, not hopefulness, not a high ceiling, but in contention. Now it was it was already stated a, a report came out that he doesn't he doesn't want to go to the Lakers. The Lakers were another viable option to trade for him. He doesn't want to go to the Lakers. The reasons why. A, a little bit vague to me. It kind of escaped me for a little bit. I, I don't know why you would brush off going and joining LeBron James, but he said that the Clippers are a viable option for him. Wherever he goes, I just need to see him in contention into a team that can compete. I'm tired of seeing him on bad teams. I don't want to see him on the Suns. Nothing against Phoenix. I just want to see my best player have a legit shot of a ring and the Suns don't give it to him. We're dealing with precious years left of CP3's career. So it, like, yeah. the Suns don't do it for me, man. And I, I understand your aspect, but like as a like business basketball, you're trying to build the best basketball team. I think the Suns are a perfect fit for Chris Paul. I mean, we saw him go eight and zero in the bubble. Aiton had a breakout year. Cam Johnson had a breakout year. Booker is solidified star now. And what do the, I think, what do the Suns do? And what do the Suns do? Best case scenario, what do well, the Suns do? I I, I was getting there. I, I agree with your mindset, but as a basketball mindset, that team could legitimately contend not next year, but in two years. And from mindset like you, yes, I would like to see him in Philly as much as you would. Well, maybe you don't, but no, I, mean, I would love to see him in. Philly. Okay, good, That's good. Like I, I hope I hope you agree there because yeah. that would be amazing for I him. Do. But in terms of fit, dude, that Chris Paul fit is insane in right. the Suns organization. Conceptually, and for one basketball year, two years, yeah. But I mean, if Chris Paul, you know, was 27, 28, yeah, go to the Suns, build something, and in three, four years, we could ten. But yeah. like, he's thirty five. Yeah, and I understood him not wanting to go year. to the Lakers, though. He's, I understood him not wanting to go to the Lakers. I do a little bit once. You know, I don't want. I, he doesn't want to join LeBron. No, I, he doesn't hate LeBron, but he doesn't want to be that. The not even number two, number three, number three. And he, yeah. and Chris Paul, like, he's done it. He's he's gone to a team that had its superstar, took a little bit of the second backseat role, and still tried to implement the offense and the strategies he wanted to. And it was clear it didn't work with James Harden. It was clear Ooh, that. It, they, they they were a game away from winning the title. Yeah, they should have won and the he, title. And and, yeah. and 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 who lost the battle? Who got traded out of that scenario? Well, Paul did, but rightfully th- that was the that was by far Chris Paul's best chance to win a title. A- absolutely, but he's already done it. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to do it again. He'd rather go to a team where he can implement his style of offense like he did with the Thunder, and it's proven to work. He can be the floor general that he absolutely can be, and it's proven to work. And the, and the Clippers make so much sense to me. Yeah, I think it's Clippers, Sixers, Heat. Clippers, Sixers, Heat make the most sense as a fan. As as a fan, and it's tough because I could definitely see him on the Sixers, but with the with the Clippers, like he, there's no moving around. The Sixers have to move a little bit of stuff around for Chris Paul to to be inserted. The Clippers just have to pluck him at the point guard position. And you, every career that Kawhi has been, you know, successful, the two championships he's had, all star point guards. 
all-star level point guards, Tony Parker and Kyle Lowry. So there'd be some. Get another one, and we'll see what we can do. There'd be some like Chris Paul. They're the favorite to win the title. Yeah, there'd be some career like gratification thing too, going back to the Clippers and getting the title you couldn't get Mm -hmm. for five years when they should have got at least one. But I understand. I understand your points. I, I, I think the Suns is a great it's fit. Complete though. bias, man. It's complete Chris Paul bias. I just don't yeah. want. I don't want to see it anymore. I want to see, like yeah. give them. It'll give be great them, for Devin Booker's development too. I don't like. Yeah, it was great for Shea's development. No, but I, don't I think care this about is people's development but anymore. This Let's is Booker's year now. But this is Booker's year now. Like Shea's where Booker was three years ago. This is his year now. This is Booker's time to go. Yeah, but I'd rather see him. I'd rather see him with a team who just who who who's already established in the playoffs and just needs a veteran to to, to bring him to a title. I I would just I'd rather see that. But that's all. And the I time can live with that. Yep. I, okay. But that's all the time we have for this episode. A great episode it was. Big ups to again my guys, Stat Matt Robinson and Kyle Sirak. But for my main guys, I am James Jackson. Thanks for listening. These have been the facts. Straight up.